Okay. Well, cool. It's nooner. So, well, in Texas here. So, shall we? <laughs> That's Isn't all it? that matters. Yeah, Texas standard time is the most important right. time of the noon. all the times. <laughs> noon prime, I think they call it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> all right, here we go. Shop, shop, shop show. Intro is just so absolutely rocking. I it's super rock town. Uh, I cut it out a little early uh, because we got so much to talk about. Welcome to episode nine of Shop Talk Show, a podcast where we talk shop about web design and development and all the stuff you're probably doing right now. Uh, I'm Dave Rupert, and with me, as usual, is Chris Coyer. Chris, hi, the peeps. And, and we have a very special guest, Ethan Marcotte, the the author purveyor, uh, what, uh, co- co- chauffeur into a new age of web design. <laughs> yes, the the guide on our mothership of fluid gridding. Uh, Ethan, thank you so much for coming on the show. Wow, uh, it's it's a damned honor. To- here uh, for the am so uh thanks for having me guys <laughs> yeah so we get a lot of questions about responsive web design stuff and i had a little mm. about we have little markdown files in there where we prepare for the show and i was like i'm just gonna make one called ethan.markdown and i'm just gonna put all the responsive ones in there so i'm trying to test you here but i thought while we have the man here let's let's talk responsive design i hope that's okay with you yeah, yeah, I'm uh, I'm kind of into it. So let's uh, let's do it. Yes. Okay, nice. that's what we're gonna get in a minute. We have a few. I wonder if I wonder if Dave has any anything to start. Oh uh, yeah. Well, I, I, you know, my wife and I, we've been watching uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation. You know. Oh yeah. And and we've been watching this. Uh, we we really enjoy it. But did you know the the crew of the Enterprise is often confounded by HTML all all throughout the series. <laughs> is that a fact? Yeah, it's really Dave. Yeah, there's one element in particular that that tends to confound them. Do Do you guys know what it is? It's Q, the Q <gasps> element. Hi, he's crying. Oh, oh, wait, I totally, oh, I failed on the ring shot. Oh, better than ever. Yeah. Oh, man, that was, well, so that joke takes, it's a kind of a, I doubled down on the nerd, and uh, it takes a lot of uh, Star Trek knowledge and HTML obscure element knowledge. So, Yeah. Do you guys use the Q element at all? Is it used to be like an inline quote, or am I totally yeah. off on that? Yeah, yeah, inline quotes. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't think I've ever used it outside of my blog, and that's you know where I reserve all my sad markup nerdery for. So yeah, big big fan, big fan. <laughs> yeah, that is a good one. Can you cite a Q? I bet you can. Right? I Why not cite a Q? Because sites are inline too. Okay, enough. <laughs> well, we have a couple of things that are pretty interesting that happened in news that we're going to scoot through before we get into Q&A really quick. One of them I in there because I thought it was interesting was this thing called Style Doco, jacobrask.github.com slash Style Doco. I'll throw it in the chat room, but I'll also put it in the show notes, obviously. And it's kind of uh, the reason I was into it is because I'm working on some design pattern stuff for SurveyMonkey, and it's kind of a tool to help with documenting your CSS in like a visual way. So you can like write comments in your, in your CSS and then run kind of something, something or another. And it generates this, like it'll show you the HTML element that it's styling an example of one next to the actual CSS. And it kind of lines them up 
mm. next to each other so you can see it. Just kind of, I don't know. I mean, it would have to, you would change the way you work a bit because you have to style things in your CSS according to this way to do it. But I was like, if you, if you actually did it, it would, you know, I could see it being a useful automated style guide. Anyway. Yeah, no, it looked cool. It's got that split layout where one side is all code and one side is all uh, kind of text. That and so you can line up your your documentation kind of in parallel, explain what one hunk of code is doing and why. And I don't think there's enough of that in CSS in general. We don't really document our CSS. Shame so. on you. Yeah, that's- Gee, <laughs> yeah. there's something problematic about you, Dave. Um, Darn it! That's crazy. That's crazy, though. I never heard about that style doco thing. Off to check that out. Um, oh, we... have you seen Adobe Shadow, Ethan? No, or, or, uh, or yeah, yeah, I have seen it, and uh, it is pretty darn cool. I have to say. Um, I mean, it, it looks like it's an early release. Uh, I've been tinkering a little bit with the beta um, before they sort of came out with it, and it's. Uh, there, there have been a bunch of tools out. Like Shim, I think was one of the first ones. Um, Drive in that Scott Gel kind of ported to PHP in a stupid amount, like little JavaScript hack that was kind of brilliant. Um, uh, but yeah, what does it it's, do? It's, I don't even get. I didn't even watch the video. I don't oh, even right on. So it's it's basically just a simple way to kind of um, broadcast URL multiple devices um so it's and it's also great for remote debugging and dom inspection so it's it's just a it's just a much easier way to kind of keep i don't know from having to manually enter urls and all these fantastic little devices that we're testing on these days Um, all right so if you literally have three or four of them in front of you or more you can just go black yeah just yeah so you can kind of keep them in sync um you know there, like I said, there were a couple of others that were out there, like Shim and Dryad, yeah. job really well, but they required like get your own Node server and uh, you know yeah. things I don't really understand. So um, it's uh, it's second UI and it looks like it'll be kind of a neat little application. So yeah, That's sweet. I think I have. I was like. I don't know. I signed up at South by Southwest, which is this week. I think tomorrow. Sweet. Uh, to have Adobe like show me something cool. I have a feeling it's this. You know, I'm like, oh, that's not cool anymore. You already shared it. <laughs> they might have. <laughs> they might have more cool. Maybe. <laughs> no, I'm gonna go. All right. That's what weird. else we got, Dave? Oh well, just you know, uh, Sencha Touch. Two came out, or, or they got a new version, uh, and it's pretty awesome. It's worth mentioning to check out. It just it looks hot. I I don't really use much Sencha, but uh, it looks pretty. It's really pretty, I guess is what I want to say. So if you do do a lot of Sencha development, you should you should you're probably on on that tip already. But if you're looking for like a mobile thing, uh, then then you can do that. So anyway, yeah. Uh, Another one is that uh, we, the second part of last week's crossover episode with the Non-Bricking Space podcast is now up on the internet. So head on over to nonbreakingspace.tv, I believe it is, and uh, tune in to our crossover episode. We talked a lot about preprocessors and Git. Is that right, Chris? We basically the whole the whole hour we we gobbled up with that, but it was fun. So yeah, thanks for having us guys, and 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 it was fun to have you guys. Uh, sweet. And then yeah, and then I was on. There's a there's a new one. You know Drew Wilson who does Pictos and stuff, and a bunch of other stuff. He's all over the place. And then and then uh, 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 Jared and Epskobiak who's on Five by Five. He does like Founders Cast, and he does a couple other podcasts. A nice guy. Those three guys have this new blog and with some guys and podcast called the industry so it's the industry.cc and i was on their second podcast as well which we talked about all different kinds of stuff it's a really nice looking blog and website and stuff just just a shout out to them go check it out all right we have a little bit of hot drama and then we're going to get into the q a part of the show yeah we just have a little bit uh so a while back there was a, a bit of a, a stink up on twitter about the responsive summit uh and we don't have to go into depth but ethan did you want to comment on this you can say no <laughs> i just feel my reportive oh. duty i have to bring up hot drama 
Yeah, yeah. No, I'm uh, I'm, I'm more than happy to uh, tell you guys I know very little about the drum or otherwise. Um, so, so the Responsive Summit was something that was organized by uh, Josh Brewer and a couple other people, just kind of on a really short-term prompt basis. Uh, Josh was going to be in line and like out a quick email um, saying like, hey, let's let's chat about responsive design. You know, just a bunch of people that he knew, a bunch of friends, a bunch of folks in the industry in, in London. And I was I was totally like off email for two weeks when this was all happening. So I got back to, hey, we're going to have this thing. Hey, it's got a title. Hey, Twitter hates us. Um, hey, it was awesome. You know, we had this, this day-long workshop discussion went like Mark Bolton, uh, LHJ Stocks, a couple folks from Clear Left, um, some guys from the BBC who were working on that responsive news project. And, you know, they just basically wrote up a bunch of really great things about how responsive designs kind of affected their workflow, you know, talking a little bit about how they've nice. been kind of incorporated into the practice. And yeah, so it's um, the, there was a kerfuffle on Twitter about people that sort of heard about this thing that had some in the tunnel and, you know, people got a little. I guess tweaked about, um, you know, exclusivity and not being invited, and it was, uh, Josh and some of the other guys yeah. were saying like it was just kind of a fun title, you know, there wasn't really anything kind of meant by it, but, um, you know, that's from from the guy who basically got a bunch of emails about this after three weeks of absence. Uh, that's that's my best recollection of what happened. It sounded like it was just kind of, kind of a silly title for something that had really good intentions and uh, was actually a pretty pretty awesome event, but wasn't. No, it wasn't like a velvet rope kind of situation. So, uh, sure. Okay. That's cool. I didn't know anything about it either. That was my first foray into it, but there should be more. Don't you think there should be, maybe there should be a whole conference about it someday. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't even hinting Uh, at anything there. I don't know. (laughs) Call me after. Uh, no, that was, uh, yeah, it was like a, just a meetup thing, but yeah, I think. All right. Oh, cool. All right, we got it. We're gonna start the Q and A with well, what we like to call a little bit of a softball here in the journalism game. Uh, <laughs> here we go. My question for Shop Top is, what is responsive design? I've been hearing a lot about it. I'm not very familiar with it. Okay, and that was from Angel. Velasquez. So uh, I'm yeah, gonna let's just define it, so we can uh, so the rest of the show has some framework to talk. Nice. Uh, I was hoping you guys could tell me actually, but um, yeah, oh, oh, I, so... I got this. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it on, Dave. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Ethan. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean, I guess I guess kind of on two levels. Like I mean, like when I wrote this this article back in. What 2010 or something? You know, a, a, a responsive design is really kind of like three different ingredients. It's um, it's a has a flexible based foundation with images and media that work inside that like flexible context, and then media queries from CSS3 to allow us to figure out how that flexible layout can kind of re-articulate itself, like respond basically to the changing size of a a browser window, a changing device uh, screen, or different size viewport. Um, but like, just more generally, I think responsive design is a little bit about like just taking a more device and platform neutral approach to designing for the web. Just thinking more flexibly by default. So rather than you know, kind of continuing down this road of you know thinking about only designing device specific experiences um, like mobile versus tablet versus desktop, or only targeting certain screen widths. We've, we've got the technology now and the de- hopefully the design thinking to, you know, think more flexibly by default. So that was my buzzwordy response to the question. It was a fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, yeah, okay. So, so if, you're really, if you're really nailing it with responsive design, your design <laughs> is, is fluid in context. The media within fluid design is, is fluid as well, and uh, and you're just in general you're not thinking about any particular device. You're thinking about a whole range of them. Yeah, that's uh, that's so much better way of putting it. Yeah, oh, well done. But I <laughs> let let me try. No, <laughs> do it, Dave. It means do iPhone it. design. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's making things fit on smaller screens. That's uh, that's that's the thing. No, uh, 
Right. So much more to it than that. Let's 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 let's. And we were just joking around with that, of course, folks. But but do know that that's not what it is. Right. It's not. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. So there were a ton of examples out there for like really great responsive designs. And um, Chris Chris CSS Press is a really great one. Dave has actually built and designed more responsive sites than I have at this point. Um, you know, I've got an RWD Twitter account where I talk about, you know, various redesigns that I find and stuff, but there are a lot of these sort of like flexible responsive sites out there that are, you know, pretty easy to find too. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but okay. So we have a, we have, you know, the rest of the kind of the questions for this episode are, are, are about this and they're about more specific aspects of it. And this next one is, is, is kind of the anti question, I guess, or, or, or something. Let's, let's hear it from Andy Howells. Okay, here we go. Hi, my name's Andy from the UK. I, uh, I wanted to get in touch and just uh, ask a question with regard to responsive web design. Um, I try and do it all on my customers' sites and say about 90% of the designs that I do are based on responsive templates. Um, so I use one on four APX grid a lot of the time as a, as a jump-off point. Um, one query I had was when I shouldn't be doing responsive web design. For example, um, I know that there's some talk about uh, certain products heavy websites so say it's like a retail uh, shop or something like that where there's hundreds and hundreds of images and hundreds of different products um, that potentially it would be better to be looking at a, a mobile only website so effectively redirecting to a to a mobile subdomain for example um, and I just didn't know if there were any any tricks that would potentially be able to use to, to still have a responsive design, but also to take into account the fact that mobile browsers might have slower connections and, and therefore you don't want to serve them too many images. Um, and just some advice around that would be fantastic. Cheers. Well, yeah. there so what to do? Yeah, this is kind of a very common question. Ethan, do you have any input there? Well, yeah, that's... Um there's a lot of great stuff there. I mean, I don't know as I necessarily have like the one, but um, usually when I'm talking to clients, it's um, like a responsive approach isn't something I'll advise if they've got like a really established like desktop site or you know a tablet specific site. You know, if they if they've got like sort of an infrastructure in place where they're maintaining products, you know, sort of throwing everything out and going for one like sort of like cross-platform device agnostic approach might not necessarily be the best approach. Um, so maybe looking at starting small, so maybe having that sort of mobile-specific site and then, you know, building it responsibly with an eye toward thinking for the future, like designing across different platforms at some point when you can, I guess, tackle those bigger problems of what to do with some of those, those existing uh, things. Because I don't think it's necessarily about, like, that you can't do a responsive retrofit on top of a desktop site. I mean, I think you can, but it's always going to be best if, if you've got that ability to sort of simplify things. It's not just about sort of cramming everything down into the smallest scale, but it's, it's about like taking that more mobile first approach and thinking about, okay, well, you know, what information is actually valuable to all of my readers kind of across the board. Um, so um, if you don't have that opportunity, and yeah, maybe a separate device-specific site is the best way. Um, oh. And uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think? I'm interested. I, you know, I think his, you know, the the generic concern is, well, it's an e-commerce site. There's 24 pictures of products on every page of the site. Right. That's just too much. You know, that's too many resources. The weight of the page is too high. And so somebody might be saying, well, you know, one responsive web design technique is maybe just, you know, hide some of that stuff or, or small. Right. Right. So, you know, that may not. That's. I don't know. Maybe not a great solution because you know, just display nunning stuff isn't uh, you know isn't isn't, isn't a, a true solution. I, I'm interested that you are like, yeah, just you know, make a make a mobile specific size. One of the things that attracts me to responsive web design is not having to to like fork a code base. You know, I kind of you know, oh totally. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. I, I'm completely with you, but I think like you know, I've talked to companies where. It's like we're going to build it by specifics, making that our foundation going forward. You know, so maybe uh, Brad Frost wrote an article about this, about like, I can't remember, but it's something like, you know, um, planting the seed of responsive design on the mobile site in the hopes that that is the, you know, that eventually becomes the actual true responsive experience. Uh-huh. Um, 
so you might not necessarily have the budget to sort of say, okay, well, we have these like these three different products, these you know, like a tablet site, a mobile site, a desktop site, or whatever. Um, maybe we could start small, really invest in a responsive product that only our mobile customers are going to see for now. But ultimately, you know, um, that'll be the platform going forward. Um, Very nice. So, That's so, so yeah, yeah. I think it's it, it's it's really about like just picking whatever like. I guess transitional path kind of makes makes the most sense for the the client uh, because yeah I mean if you've got that e-commerce site with twenty four products per page um, and you're sort of locked into that um, you know maybe a responsive approach isn't the best way especially if yeah hiding is yeah. the best approach right so I, you know to answer you know so for for Andy out there I hope you digested all that that's pretty good pretty good answers I think. Um, uh, uh, gosh, I, I had one. I had one ready to go. But there's not, you know, you're, the the root of his question is when shouldn't you do responsive design? And I'm not sure there's a, you know, it's not something like, oh, I sell replacement parts for accordions. Oh no, that is not a good candidate. For <laughs> it's not, you know, it's not the style of site. It's more like what your company is than it is what what the I don't know. I, I hear a lot of people who are making, you know, like dashboard sites or something like that and or, you know, big kind of applications and, and they're saying, oh, it's too hard to do in this context. And um, and and while I agree with them and my instinct is like, yeah, just make a mobile site or an MDOT or whatever, that's slang for mobile site MDOT. Um, but it, yeah, just make a mobile site. But but then I uh, sort of my brain is like I hate it when I go to mobile sites I hate it when I go to yeah. mobile dot it's a piece of garbage so it's like yeah. you know what you know maybe try it I mean if you're doing something complicated like a calendaring app or something like that yeah maybe it doesn't work but have you tried I mean we just we're just it's just starting so I I think somebody could create something that could do that effic- like efficiently on a mobile site but it does. sometimes it sure. takes a whole it takes your your mind I, uh, this is what i'm trying to spit it out chris <laughs> as a as a form builder right i'm sure a lot of you guys have used wufu it is it is a, it's a app to build forms we don't have really a mobile version i shouldn't say a small screen version of it whatever mm-hmm. because the context of you know there's a lot of dragging and dropping and rearranging and seeing what you can add to what you to your the preview of your form anyway it's not that that could never be done on an iphone i'm sure that it could but it's not a thing like oh just throw in some media queries or whatever we're not if that's absolutely not right. going to work for us we need to kind of re completely rethink how the thing is going to work on mobile and that uh, you know that's where it, it has nothing to do with responsive web design failing or any crazy crap like that it's just a different we're gonna to have to do something different than that yeah. it's not a media query solution yeah that's that's a great point i mean that it's kind of interesting because i wonder like what I don't know. Let's not necessarily Wufu, but like Flickr or Twitter, like what their mobile strategy would look like if they they were starting now, versus you know whenever they came on on the web, you know when all we were thinking about was desktop. You know we right. didn't have all these other devices. So like you know that that we had to do by default because we have like legacy content, all this legacy UI, and if you don't have that ability to just sort of like think about okay, well I've got that calendaring app how is a mobile user going to interact with this? You know, if that's your starting point, that makes so many other decisions much easier. Um, that could, could progressively layer on, you know, interaction, you know, make things more complex as screens get wider or if you move from touch to keyboard. But, you know, if you're, if you're, if you've got this, this product is only in one space, it's, it's going to be, yeah, it's, it's not a simple matter of just slapping on media queries. It requires a lot of work. So, Right, like a start over, a fresh kind of thing. Flickr would probably look like Instagram. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Okay, let's move on, guy. We have a techie, a techier one from uh, Mike Henderson. Um, do, 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 do. Oh, yeah, I got this one. I have it here. Hello, Chris, Steve, and Ethan. This is Mike from Colorado. I've seen a lot of blog posts about responsive images, videos, and layouts. One of my favorite CSS tricks is image sprites. I've mostly used this with pixel-based layouts, though. 
What are the techniques for using image sprites in responsive design? Thanks. Image sprites yeah. and responsive web design. Yeah, and, and he wasn't the only one. I think I got two that were like an identical question, basically, and about sprites. And, and what they what they both didn't say, and you know, sorry, I'm just calling out here. What uh, it was. What's different about it? Like, why can't you use image sprites? What's the what, what's the problem you're having? Uh, wasn't integrated well, but the fact that uh, you know multiple people are, are having this problem. Apparently, there is some kind of problem. Have you? <laughs> what are you doing? Are you aware of, of sprites and problematic situations in responsive design? Um, yeah, I mean, well, they're not something I, I use too too frequently, but I mean, um, well, that's not true, but. Uh, so, like David Slate uh, writes at Stunbox.com, and he did a he did an adaptive uh, layout, you know, which is basically a couple fixed width uh, layouts that he was sort of toggling through with media queries. It wasn't flexible, so it wasn't properly responsive, I guess. But the reason he kind of did multiple fixed width layouts for his site was because he was using a pretty uh, complex sprite for all of his header assets. So his his logo would sort of have this really cool animation state when you moused over it, and same thing with some of his uh, nav items, and you know, so using using a sprite in a completely flexible format wasn't realistic for him at that point because once you take pixels out of the out of the equation, um, figuring out where to reposition the image got a little bit more complicated. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I can't think of any great way to kind of work around that. Honestly, I mean, background size um, doesn't have, I guess the support i'd like to see <laughs> yeah um, i think ie8 is still failing on that or, or maybe yeah. that's the first but that's the thing yeah and, that, and then like you said though if you change the background size then the pixel positioning right is gets becomes wrong all of a sudden right so you have to either put tons of space between the things in the sprite or i'm not sure yeah. what the solution is there can you position with percentages i guess you could you can, but then it gets all this wonky, like you're positioning, like if it's 50%, 50%, you're positioning at the midway point in the graphic on the midway point in the, uh, in the container. So it's, it's like relative to the image coordinates as well as the container. So, um, yeah, I think that's definitely like maybe a weakness in responsive design right now. Um, that's not to say you can't use background images or position fully, but sprites yeah, or or sprites, you know, or, I don't know. So have one, uh, have the ones that th- there. I'm sure there's some of, some of those sprites that don't need to resize so much, right? You know, if it's a little pencil icon or something that's next to some text, well, yep, you know, totally. the, the text probably isn't resizing quite yet. I know, I know, I know. I think we're all a little excited about those like VH and VW units or whatever that can that can size text based on the on the width of the viewport. I think that's I think in WebKit nightly those are out now. So that's going to be pretty cool. I mean, you know, like as you, you know, like stretch a browser window way out, the text can grow with it in kind of a natural CSS way. That'll be pretty cool. Uh, but that's not really here yet. So uh, that that text size is probably remaining the same and, mm-hmm. and 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 thus your little pencil icon will be just fine right next to it. <laughs> People, people in the chat room are talking about um, icon fonts, which we've kind of covered on the show, but just being a way to get sure. around some of those little dingbat sprite yeah. items you might have. Totally. And that's not a sprite, and it's just text, and so you can right. resize those a lot easier. I'm all about icon fonts. I think they're, they're, they're splendid, but that may not solve the you know particular sprite issues of like a logo or whatever. Yeah. Well, one day, one day we'll have it all figured out. Somebody in the, yeah. somebody listening to this needs to just write a plugin for jQuery or something. Gosh. Figure it out. <laughs> plugin, <laughs> yeah. Make a plugin. Awesome. Part of the fun of being a web developer right now, right? I was living through all these kind of uh, these problems come up, and then they get cool solutions that we implement, uh, and then sometimes yeah, those like- solutions make it into the spec. Fun. All right, we have a sponsor this week. We uh, we have them for for four total episodes, and this is week two of four. 
Hover.com, which is a place to buy domain names. And they're, you know, it, they're just, it's nice. It's a nice experience to go to Hover and buy a domain name. Uh, and the, they have four, like, pillars of, of things they believe in and they try to do. So I was going to, I was just like, well, there's four of them and they're sponsoring four weeks. Let me just talk about number two of four. And that is minimal cross-selling. So when you go buy a domain from Hover, they're not trying to hit you from all sides with different stuff you should buy, like hosting and super protection and 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 do you want a shoulder rub or whatever they try to sell you on the other one <laughs> so, so you just you just when you have a task to do on hover they just you know they just design the experience of of doing that test whether it's buying a domain name or changing name servers or transferring it to them or whatever else so hover.com slash talk you get 10% off whatever you buy from there. So check it out. Thanks for sponsoring the show. Hover. And then the, that book, this is the third week we've talked about that. And the last week, uh, by, uh, it's called the HTML and CSS book. Have you seen Ethan? It's super nice. No, I haven't. Oh, oh, oh that really nice designed one, right? No, maybe I'm thinking of something else. Uh, the URL is HTML and CSS book that comes from Wiley. And it's just this like really, I have, I finally got a copy of it. It's really incredibly well designed and, and written book on just learning the basics of HTML and CSS. It's, I think it's going to be my go-to email response when people ask me what book to buy for a beginner because it's, it's really nice. And so uh, we're going to give away copies of the book. This is the, the last winner, and all you had to do to win was to send us in an audio question. We have the winner is Geert de Decker. Oh, you nailed it! That was awesome. on it. Timing is everything. Congratulations, Geert. I don't think we have a question of yours, but we will, of course, get to it at some point. So congratulations on winning the book. More Q&A. Moving along. Here we go. This one's from Derek Domko. Uh, He said, he's asking, I would like to know ideas or comments on scaling images with responsive design. Maybe pros and cons of image scaling in responsive design. Oh my gosh, uh, this is my failure as a show organizer. That's basically the same one we just did. It, it's more or less, but this is more like just for images. Like, yeah. Okay. And there's a, there's a lot of stuff here, right? I mean, uh, yeah. So, uh, pros and cons. Well, um, uh, well, I guess like really inside baseball stuff. I mean, so resizing images flexibly, um, you need to remove your width and height attributes in your CSS. Um, or, I mean, at least, yeah. Um, that'll make things a lot easier. Uh, um, there's, there can be some penalties with that I, from a redraw standpoint, some performance-related things in terms of how they're rendered into the page. Um, this sort of exceeds by now, um, that particular issue, but that is that is something to be aware of. Um, it can be you know can be problematic. Um, That's interesting. It's interesting. Like you target image like the image element in CSS, and you would say width is auto important maybe or, or something to make right. sure that you override inline styles on that image. And width is auto important, maybe not important. Let's not get into that. But you you're just resetting the width and the height of those images to auto instead of their default. And the in the perform and we've been long told that having inline width and height values on images is good for layout because the browser knows what kind of space to reserve for them right 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 and the only challenge i've found that is you know um some browsers and devices just um aren't great with the width auto height auto values so um yeah so i've I've usually just stripped them out of the html which again is not like you said ideal (laughs) um but uh yeah so that'd be problematic i guess some of the guys from opera have been you know sort of mentioning that um I think sort of the larger question with responsive images is, um, you know, that somebody mentioned, uh, Andy mentioned in his question earlier about, you know, the the mobile screens have less bandwidth question, you know, which is, that's a really fuzzy correlation to make. Um, we can't make a straight line between the width of the screen and the amount of bandwidth that it has available to it. Right. Um, so. Sometimes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, we want to be, I guess, like mindful of how large the images are that we're serving out to our, our readers and our visitors. Um, so their response image delivery uh, thing, and one of the first was um, came out of the Boston Globe project that I worked on last year, where you know if your screen's above a certain resolution threshold, you get progressively enhanced up to a wider image. If you're below that resolution threshold, or if you don't have JavaScript, you just get that small screen appropriate image. Um, yeah, which, which is sweet, yeah. right? And it's worked. 
Well, it did until uh, browsers decided to break it a little bit. Um, Matt Marquez, who worked on the project, wrote this sort of for a list apart a couple weeks ago, um, or end of January, where he was talking about this this issue where I guess images are certain browsers changed. They introduced the notion of image prefetching, um, which screwed up the timing on um, on the script executing. Mm-hmm. Um, so occasionally, two requests would go out versus the one that we, we sort of had working before. So ideally, um, every browser or device would only get one image request uh, that goes out. But certain desktop browsers occasionally will basically request both images, um, which isn't ideal. So, uh, no, so if, anyway, I mean, if you had to pick, it would be better to, to get, have the, 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 the worst option go to the desktop, right? I mean, right, I mean, right. kind of, sort of, right? You know, we can't yeah, write yeah, media you know, based on bandwidth, right? You know, like at media bandwidth equals fast. <laughs> <laughs> I know, seriously. Um, yeah, we. I mean, it's like the the script and kind of a bunch of other techniques that followed it are based on that, like that sort of fuzzy assumption. Um, we don't have proper bandwidth detection. That's kind of our blind spot. Right. So, um, Matt has actually been working with. He's sort of chairing this community group over the W3C to kind of introduce a new spec for a, a picture element. You know, to allow yeah. us to actually write media queries to serve up different image sources, depending on, let's say, the width of the screen for now until we actually get the area or whatever. So, kind of like working right. so like you're the saying video that that's cool, but it's it's still based on that same fuzzy assumption, right? Yeah, so, yeah at least it's something. Yeah, yeah, something. Hopefully, so right now it's um, it's kind of up in the air, but uh, yeah. Um, that's, that's yeah, I saw something from a app, some Apple dude put another put a put a put a proposal out on the on the old mailing list the other day, and I don't know if it was picture. I think it might have been something else. I might be wrong. Huh. Uh, there's another people. There's a, there's people thinking about this, but beyond thinking about it, it's starting to get closer to like literally being specced. So it's okay. going to happen, people. Yeah. Nice. Things are afoot. Ah, big time. Yeah, and this is a big one. We don't want to, you know, we want to search browser one image, not multiple. We don't want to use JavaScript to flip it all around. We want to, uh, 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 right, just serve the the proper one to the proper place. That's all we're trying to do here. Come on, help us out, technology. (laughs) We're not asking the world. Come on. I just need a robot to deliver this image to the right person in the right context. (laughs) Why can't you, browser? Stupid. God. Uh, 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 let's do the next one about the ads. Let's this third question in a row that's tangentially related to the last two. Okay, this is from Daniel Davidson. Let me make sure I have the right one here. Hi, Chris and Dave. Great podcast. My name's Daniel, and just got a quick question about responsive design. A lot of the sites I'm doing these days use responsive design. I think it's a really good technique. However, if the site needs adverts, I have to rule it out because at the moment you're not allowed using well following the terms from from Google you're not allowed to resize or hide adverts and unless I use really messy browser sniffing, I just can't get around it. I just wonder if you've got any experience of this uh, or any solution that maybe works a bit better. Thank you. Responsive, right Responsive. Yeah. ads are tough. Ads are awesome, guys. <laughs> yeah, I good. agree. Uh, keep buying ads on my things that I make. Okay. Seriously, um, but yeah, they're 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 tricky in a responsive framework. I mean, Dave, you uh, you said they're tough. You've been working on anything? Well, we just um, we worked on a Twitter site uh, for their Super Bowl promotion with Chevy and. Uh, there were ads there and we did some responsive and then some were just images and, you know, it, it, but yeah, when we were looking at the kind of original ad comps, we were very concerned, um, just Mm -hmm. with how small things were going to get once that like JPEG squeezed down. But, um, but you guys did a really good job with ads on the Boston globe. Uh, I, I, that's one thing I noticed. Thanks. Yeah. was, um, that was actually kind of fun to work on. I mean, is um, well, I don't know. I spent a little too much time looking at ad server code than I would have liked, maybe. But uh, um, yeah, so they they were kind of 
we're, we were trying to kind of figure out how they would work in the layout, obviously, but like um, the, the big design requirement we got was to make sure that the ads would kind of stay as high promoted as possible within the layout, depending on where it was being viewed. So we came up with a solution. So like if you're on the homepage, there's that square ad um, that might appear right underneath the lead story if you're on a very small screen. Uh, once a second column appears, it gets promoted up to the top of that second column. And then when you're on like a, a wider screen and the three columns appear, it gets pushed up to the top right. Um, so so that, that was actually fairly easy to set up with some like just some really simple markup and some media queries and a little light JavaScript so that we could kind of toggle the visibility of any particular ad block. And then every time there's a resize event, we could move the ad into that into the next visible spot. Nice. Um, so, yeah, so that was cool. But um, from a standpoint, I mean, the ads are fixed with, um, we had to kind of wrap them in iframes because some of the JavaScript that was getting injected into the pages was, you know, written in the administration and would do things like blank out the page. Um, so <clears throat> we kind of had buy-in from the globe that at sort of like our major breakpoints, we'd kind of preserve the integrity ad. We wouldn't, you know, clip it. We wouldn't, you know, um, introduce any uh, any weirdness like resizing it. But at, you know, sort of the between points, everyone was sort of comfortable treating them as edge cases. Um, so that, that made things a lot easier for us. Um, but um, layout feels like the easy problem to solve for me because right now, I mean, ad networks are very much like a one-size-fits-all kind of delivery, you know. So an ad tag gets into a page, it's going to drop that, like, a particular ad in regardless of whether or not the device actually has flash or whether or not it can actually, I don't know, them work in a responsive layout. It's, you know, it just takes a little work. Yeah, totally. So I, I think uh, 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 who are we? we're talking about Daniel Davidson's question here. He was using Google, right, which is like this you know, some JavaScript you check on your page or whatever, and they're saying you don't have a very good one-to-one relationship with your advertiser and and your you, your website with with Google. You just you'll probably never mm-hmm. ever talk to them. And they say in the in the rules of Google that you can't you can't forcibly resize. I mean, they paid for these pixels, they're going to get these pixels or whatever. If you do have a one-to-one relationship and it's not through Google, kind of like I do on my side, I sell pretty much directly. I can just say, hey, I'm going to resize your ad a little bit. Or, or to be completely honest, I don't even ask. I just do it, and nobody's ever had a problem with it. So in the mm. same way that you can resize uh, you know, an image that in your blog post, for, you know, it's 800 pixels or something, but if you squeeze it down because it's in a fluid column and it turns out to be 600 pixels, big deal. You do it for an ad, too, and you just got to use your best judgment to, to know, you know, I don't know, if you squish a 125 by 125 pixel ad down to 50 by 50, that's not cool anymore. They're not kind of getting what they paid for them, but maybe you can shuffle them around a little bit. There's a thing where, where CSS regions that thing that Adobe did where you can say, like, I want this thing to be here and this thing to be here, and they're, they're like, connected text flows between them. Uh, it's going to be pretty cool in response to design, I think, because, like, I don't know, that Ethan was talking about with the... Uh, you know how he, there's this big on the Boston Globe. There's this big ad on the upper right, and uh, and then and then it shifts down like below the below the header later. That's a thing that 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 will be cool with what CSS regions I think because you can just be like literally just move it. No JavaScript required. Anyway, I'm rambling now. What do you think? Ads oh. stuff. Love them. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's cool. I never actually thought about uh, CSS regions before. That's that's actually a really cool approach. Um, it may there may be some issues with with mar- unneeded markup. Like you might have to chuck mm-hmm. an empty div in there because that div is going to be a region and that has nothing in it right now, but might later. That kind of yeah. stuff. That's uh, cool. Didn't you? Isn't one of the ads on the Boston Globe site right now actually cut off a little bit? Is that? Uh, it shouldn't be. I mean, that, yeah. Um, the uh, I'd have to check that out. Um, yeah, it should be cut off. Uh, yeah, I will. I will. I will get back to you on that, sir. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Oh, it's not. It's not. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Maybe they, you just ask advertisers to design a little bit too wide, knowing that mostly it's going to show this wide, but it might also prop the sides a little bit. But not the case. I'm just making stuff up, guys. <laughs> Next uh, question. No. <laughs> 
the next question, it, we're going to move from images here in ads into into tables. Are you ready for this? This one's from Pat E. Hawaii, which I'm not sure if this is a typo or that's his real name. If no his, way. It's totally a real name. E. Hawaii? E, yeah. if his last name is E. Hawaii. That is awesome. awesome. So anyway, last names, yeah. uh, what do you guys think of the idea of making the jQuery plugin data tables, which is at datatables.net, responsive? So it's basically like a table that you has headers and you can sort by each column, you know, click, 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 and it'll resort every column, just like Excel or something like that. Um, mm. it, in my experience with responsive tables, that would be most difficult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but in my experience with very responsive tables, I would agree. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a good idea. So I put this yeah. in here because I was like, Pat, I love it. Of course, this thing should be responsivized. That would be great. It would just make it better. It would take an already nice thing and make it even better. But there are, you know, I had a post one time where I wrapped up all the different solutions for responsive tables. There's a lot. It really, really depends on the data in that table. You can't just say, oh, it's tabular data. Here's the responsive solution, much like all of responsive design. You know, you kind of have to look at what you got and make some decisions uh, around what you got here. So I just don't know. I don't know. Can it be done? Especially with the sorting and stuff? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm with you. I mean, it'd be interesting to sort of see, like, just what this plugin would actually feel like on a small screen anyway. Um, you know, would I want to sort, sort all this stuff or, you know, have to page through this stuff manually? Um, yeah, I don't know. That's, I mean, I think it would be tough from a technical standpoint, from a design standpoint, maybe you don't necessarily want that sorting on certain interfaces, I guess. Um, hmm. Sure. Yeah, I mean, so some of the solutions are pretty cool. Filament Group had a really cool one where you kind of mark columns as either totally vital or medium vital or not vital or something like that, right? Yeah. So when you when the, when you're on a smaller screen, the column, if it's a lower priority, may actually literally just get hidden. But then it's never just hidden forever. There's this little like drop down thing you can click and then choose to turn it back on. And if you've chosen to turn it back on, that table then might expand wider than the device's width, which I have to do a little horizontal scrolling. But at least it's not hidden forever, and at least it's not busting out by default. I don't know. It was a pretty good solution. There's other ones that just totally reformat the table to not, like not be very particularly table-like, but at least they never break the, the, the maximum width, which is kind of nice. Maybe if somebody was going to, if somebody, I don't know, if Pat is like thinking about putting the work in to redo this table, maybe the solution would be to look at all the different solutions there. Oh, and I'll put a link to my roundup in there. I think I have pretty much all the, all the current ones uh, linked to from that post. And then have, you know how jQuery plugins are. They have uh, key value pairs, which are options you pass to the plugin. Maybe the, each different one could be a different option. Like, you know, make this responsive, but use the, Use schmoodle technique or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I don't know. It's going to be too difficult to do on an automatic basis. Let's do a, 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 a little sponsor stuff. The fellas from Less Comp, from Less Accounting, Stephen Allen, super nice guy. They're doing a conference in Tampa, Florida. I used to live there. It's a nice place. On June 7th, coming up this year, they're calling it Less Month. It's a one-day conference where they discuss how to how to become more profitable. So if you're a small business and you make money, you want to make more money, go and talk to these guys, listen to speakers. I think they have a few speakers, uh, which should be pretty cool. It's just it's just a conference all about making money. It should be pretty good. These guys started with, with very little and do a bunch of consulting work and web app work and now are doing pretty well for themselves. So uh, if you can learn anything, it might be from these guys. Go check it out at lessmoney.lesseverything.com. Uh, and then we were talking about that app. Uh, uh, we're just doing a giveaway for the app processor. So P R O C S S O R processor app.com. And it's kind of like, uh, if you need to do some drag and droppy stuff with your CSS on Mac OS X, you can like take a CSS file, drop it in there, reform it, compress it, do, do all kinds of different auto formatting stuff with this app. Plus, it looks pretty. And we are doing a little Twitter giveaway. I'm going to give two of them to Ross. 
his Twitter handles Ross M901 and Joe Savage. So thanks guys for mentioning it. Ooh, I love the soundboard. We don't we love it really. Uh, anyway, congratulations, you two. I'll be in touch and get you a code to download that thing. Uh, okay, let's 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 keep it going. Let's keep it going a few more. You're good. Are you, are you feeling limber, Ethan? Oh man, ever so. <laughs> Stretching during the break. I'm good. Yeah. Very <laughs> well. Oh yeah. You, you do it. This is awesome. I'll- I'll read. I'll read. Okay. The next question is from Barry Walsh. He's saying, I'm working on my first proper responsive project. What's the best practice to prevent hidden images from loading? Uh, they wouldn't be background images. They're images loaded using an image tag through a service like Gravatar or something like that. So I assume he, he wants them to not load. I mean, hidden images won't load. I, is that, that's right. Right. Am I right there? Uh, I don't think that's true, actually, but I I don't know. Oh, because um, they're prefetching. Yeah, well, right, they're in line. I I don't know. Tim Cadillac from uh, Breaking Dev Conf and uh, who else? Jason Grigsby have been doing some asset like tests. Um, I'm pretty sure images will actually still be downloaded, but I'm not sure about that. Even if you uh, display none on them. Yeah, yeah I can't remember. It's, it's yeah, I need to double check on that, but I mean. Like my policy is usually like, you know, start by markup from like what the what the you know, mobile user quote unquote is going to be, and then like if I need to bring in images above that threshold, maybe you know that's where things get all JavaScripty or something like you know enhance right. I guess as the screen gets wider rather than kind of squelching as as things get smaller. Um, that's that's my usual approach. Um, Sure, but which yeah, maybe in this case could be thought of as kind of a lazy loading kind of kind of situation. He's, he mentioned Gravatar, which is a big deal, right? Because if you have a blog yeah. post on WordPress, yeah. like I do, and there's a hundred comments on that post. That's a hundred image requests to 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 Gravatar. Each one individually. They don't sprite those things up for you. Every one of those <laughs> things. And that's serious on a mobile device. A hundred Gravatars. Oh my gosh. Uh, and it's just kind of it's just kind of the way it is. But if you if you just didn't have them in your in your markup at all, they just weren't there. And then you decided, hey, you know, JavaScript test the screen is the screen eight hundred or more pixels wide or something like that. Then and you know, I don't know, figure it out somehow. Maybe you could have a data attribute that linked to the where that gravatar image lives. Grab that data attribute, chuck an image tag, drop it on the image. That's you know, it's it's only putting that stuff in there. Uh, for wider screens, that's I'm just stealing that from Ethan. That's pretty good. <laughs> As always, you said it with pretty words, so that's uh, yeah, that sounds good. Cool. Okay, okay well, so but be this is a good time. I wonder if people we should do some follow up on this stuff because this is pretty interesting. I think people would want to know if uh, I think if you display none something and it has a background image the background isn't loaded but if an image i'm not even sure about that but i'm pretty sure uh but but what about the uh the uh, image inline images the image tag if you display on that i don't know the answer to that we'll do follow up on that yeah background images you should be good um if the element itself doesn't have um i mean it's always best to kind of zero out the background image property um that's kind of the most bulletproof approach but um yeah inline images i'm not sure about my I'm pretty sure it's still downloaded. I need to double check. Yeah. Follow so up. with this Gravatar thing, though, I yeah, could, totally. one way you could do it was it would be to set inline styles to, that loads in as a background image. That'd be another way to go, kind of, sort of, because then you could display none of them and not worry about the. Maybe just in here. Yeah. <laughs> Where's that robot, Dave? Yeah. Robot, make it. <laughs> Wesley Terry has to ask, I am having a small issue with responsive design and embedded tweets. So if you guys seen that, you know, you can go on twitter.com and hit the little embed thing and it gives you some JavaScript and it gives you the tweet in a nice block quote. It's all semantic. Plus it looks great. I don't know. They're pretty cool. That's what Wesley's talking about here. I keep trying to get a class added to the div and it's giving me issues. I'm basically adding these to the sidebar of a project using initializer. And the iPad view, it is creeping over to the right. Min and Max with from Twitter seem to be the problem. Here's a thing to show you the problem. Uh, I am just trying to do something that won't work. If so, 
Well, yes, dummy. Stop trying. I'm not going to say that to you, Wesley Terry. You're not a dummy. <laughs> Uh, but I don't know. I haven't, I didn't, I don't, unfortunately the, the JS fiddle that you sent over, didn't illustrate the problem to me perfectly. Uh, have you guys seen these things? The embedded tweets? Yeah. Yeah. It's the, the embedded tweets from Twitter, like gives it like a Twitter feel like automatically. Um, they're pretty awesome and they, they do, they should squeeze down just fine, but they, they have a width of 500 pixels. Kind of a max their, like width. max, yeah, yeah, and and sort of the I think his question and, and I hope it's I'm right here uh, that you have he can't override it and the width and um, I think you either you can do it doing important like targeting the the wrapper div uh, or you can't do it because it's in an iframe from their server sort of thing, but. Gosh. Yeah, I think they just inject styles, so I think you can use important. To it's not an iframe. Overwrite it. So you're okay. There. Uh, and they're trying to add a class to the div. That would be tricky because then you'd have to like wait for window onload, and then up, and then you know you, you, this isn't part of the DOM ready thing. You'd have to target it with JavaScript to add a class. I don't know. Um, they do have a min and max width though, so they're just trying to say, I don't know. They're they're naturally responsive. I don't know, you know, almost. I mean, they do have a max width, which makes sense in the context of a tweet because you don't want to tweet a thousand pixels wide; it will just look and read weird. Uh, I don't. I don't know. We shouldn't have put this one in here because I have no. I'm not a hundred percent sure what the question is anymore. If you want to, though, because it's not an iframe, you can target this stuff with really serious CSS rules. You know, you might have to use a lot of important because use important because they kind of don't want you to mess around with the, with, with what these look like. But if you have a really good reason and really want to, you could look for CSS, make sure it's after this tweet, and put important on a ton of stuff. Oh, that's gross! I don't want to recommend that. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend <laughs> yeah. it. <laughs> All right. Next. Hello. Next oh. question. Oh, yeah. go ahead. Uh, yeah. Okay. Hello from Brighton, no. UK. What? Was that I think one? you should try an accent on this one. Hello. What you Just a quick question, guys. Do you have any, <laughs> Do you have any thoughts on how to create a masonry style layout like Pinterest.com? I've been looking at the wood mark. But it doesn't work great on the iPhone, and I need a mobile-friendly, responsive layout. It would be great to hear your thoughts there. So I want to just follow up so so people understand this question in full. When he says masonry-style layout, I'm pretty sure he's referring to, well, you can just go to Pinterest and see it. But David DeSandro has this cool masonry and it takes blocks that are of different heights and it kind of like like a brick wall kind of sticks them all together where they're going to fit the most appropriate way so instead you know if you'd had a bunch of blocks and they were different heights and you just floated left on all of them they would like get caught on each other and they wouldn't fill up the space nicely and that's what this masonry layout does is it kind of slides things up and down so they fit all kind of nicely and that can work in a responsive layout i would think because it's if those little blocks are of fluid width, and you kind of use some media queries to say how many of the of the columns there are, uh, and apparently there's another plugin that does great on iPhone. And I wanted to mention. Well, I'll bring this. I'll ask the guys some stuff too. But I have a, another. Uh, I have a, a an idea for you, David. And the idea is uh, based on this cool post I call, I think it was on sickdesigner.com, sickdesigner.com. I think the whole layout of the site uses a masonry-style layout, but it doesn't use any JavaScript at all. I don't know if you guys, yeah, I was I was correct. So if any of you guys go to sickdesigner.com, you can see this. There are blocks in there of different height, but they all kind of line up uh, nicely spaced, even though they're kind of staggered like a brick wall. And the way that uh, he's doing that, this is Radu. Uh, uh, is each one of those blocks is display inline block, mm. and then there's stuff within that, and then the 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 large container has CSS three columns on it, so it just you know there's a block and it just has wow. multiple text columns and it drops it in here, so no JavaScript required kind of so that will definitely work on the iPhone and it's worth checking out. So, 
All right. That was a lot of me talking. You guys have any thoughts? Pinterest? No, you just blew my mind, sir. That was, uh, I love that. I'm going to have to try that out. Um, I mean, uh, without having looked at this plugin, I, I would imagine that it would probably be fine if, if you're thinking about a mobile friendly layout, you know, I, I wonder how like how well a masonry style layout would actually work on smaller screens anyway. So maybe you could get away with just, you know, only including the plugin above a certain resolution range or something. Um, uh, indeed. You know, so linear by default, but then above, I don't know, however wide your columns are times two, let's say. <laughs> um, sure. You know, go to town with the masonry. Sure. So one way you might approach that is Modernizer has media query tests, and you could say mm-hmm. Modernizer do this test, and then Modernizer dot load, which is a thing called Yep Nope, which is pretty cool. It's a script loader. Conditionally, then load that that JavaScript file only on on screens that match a certain media query. That would be some advice for you, Wesley. Hopefully, that was useful. Let's. Oh gosh, it's it's we're eleven oh one. We're late. Do we want to oh, do one man. more? Or do you want to? Do you want to just? Let's do one more. We're going over time here, and then we'll we'll all go back to looking at Apple products and throwing our credit cards at Apple. <laughs> uh, the last question is from Aaron Fisher. Uh, with responsive web design being a hot topic of discussion among our industry, do you have a suggestion on where to start in terms of frameworks? In the past, I've used 960 GS and HTML5 boilerplate for traditional development, but I've not, but have yet to take a real dive into responsive. And there seems to be a dozen fluid grid responsive frameworks. Is there one out there that may be more inclusive and have more of an industry backing in support? Hmm. Grids. Well, responsive. Uh, Ethan, grids. Ethan, you're not a huge fan of responsive grids, is that right? Or, or you just don't use them? <laughs> Uh, frameworks. Uh, yeah, I'm not. A, I'm not a big framework person in general, but that's just you know my, you know biases and stuff. Um, you know, I, 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 there are some really fantastic ones out there. I know Foundation from Zurb is pretty good. Um, I know Twitter Bootstrap just launched 2.0, and they've got like an optional, flexible, responsive grids module that you can send in. Um, yeah, for me, I usually just do like a. I, I try to do a custom grid whenever possible. Anyway, um, just kind of feel like the grid needs to be tailored to the design rather than kind of like a kind of an off the shelf thing. But I know you guys, you guys said you you've had a lot of luck with what what's it? Gridly is that what it was called? Oh, Gidley? well, we was. made we made one called Foldy, and basically oh, it's nice. it's like a simplified nine sixty, and it, it so it's like. I have a three-column version and a six-column version, and oh, it's actually cool. just like one media query to make it all work. It's really weird, but it's sort of a starter kit to if you want to add more complexity, if you want you know stuff to get you know more complex at certain things, you can certainly do that. But um, I'm working on repackaging that, and now it's like mobile first on the last two or three projects I've done. So, um, yeah, I think that'll be out soon, but, uh, you can go find it on my GitHub. It's folding 960. So I don't see if that. you want to see that, oh, yeah, yeah, check I it out. Seen um, it either. Awesome. It's, it's kind of our quiet, you know, baby plugin. It's, it's just sort of a good starter. Um, it, like we don't want to be like, Hey, this is the framework grid to rule all frameworks. Cause it's not that at all. It's just like, Hey, here's probably where you want to start, you know, like, and then figure it out. So um, it's got, you know, it uses the, the grid underscore syntax, which, uh, is, you know, it's inefficient because when you have like one, a grid one is the same size as a grid six at some point, you know, which you will, it's, you know, that's where language is, is starting to fail us. You know, it's not grid dash. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I guess like, yeah. So That's good. if I could, if there was another word for like a morphing grid unit, then, <laughs> then I would use yeah. it, but there's really not. And so for Aaron, Fisher, for been my sorry, sorry, Chris, go for it. No, you, I, I'm going to wrap up. So you better. All right. Better. Uh, nope. I, I was just going to plus one what Dave was saying about language. So, uh, 
kind let you sing us home, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to say, Aaron Fisher, thanks for the question about that. There's some people in the chat room saying the golden grid system is pretty cool. It literally, it's kind of like it folds in upon itself, the different grids. Let's check out. And then like four or five people said HTML5 boilerplate, which I have no idea what you're talking about. Is there a is there a <laughs> fluid grid in the boilerplate now? That would be news to me. Uh, let's Let's just let me sound ignorant about that, and we'll do follow-up about it next week. <laughs> Uh, I think that's all I got. Oh, and don't be afraid of calculating your own grids. I saw a tweet from some fancy dude saying peep earlier on the Twitter, and it was a little movie, and I watched it, and it showed about TextMate and how it can do math in it, and I was like, oh, that's awesome. Uh, so yeah, don't TextMate is the only reason I have a job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can like literally write little math problems in there, so don't be afraid of, of calculating your own grids. Okay, that's uh, about also, it. Also, sorry to interrupt, but Mark Bolton is working on some fancy grid thing. So he is indeed. It's, mis- it's mysterious. I haven't seen it. But uh, anyway, that could be a thing, too, in the future. Heads up. Yeah. I'm done, Chris. Uh, oh, hey, Ethan, how can people give you money? What? Uh, well, they could just PayPal my Twitter account. What? No, uh, just perfect. Deep, yeah, on the Twitter. <laughs> you also run at web design, RWD. <laughs> right, a, right. At RWD. At RWD. Yeah, and, and I'm And I have a book, have a book. Uh, at a book apart. There you go. <laughs> that Give him your monies. He's well worth it. Uh, thanks for coming on the show so much and uh, thanks everyone for listening and downloading go ahead and uh, rate this show in in, uh, iTunes while you're listening please Uh, we'd love it Uh, Chris you want to take us out for real this time yeah I'm sorry I was way premature about that last time shoptalkshow.com